Hi, this is Alyssa McNamara-Reed, and I will be your host for the next two hours. Allow me to introduce myself. I am a certified financial planner practitioner and an investment advisor. I am co-owner of McNamara Financial Services, Inc. in Marshfield, Massachusetts. McNamara Financial is a federally registered investment advisor, and by my definition anyway, is a true family business. We work with clients like you every day, regular people that need help making sound financial decisions or people that want one less thing to worry about. I work with clients for a fee based on assets that I manage or an hourly or flat fee for creating financial plans. I am not compensated via commissions unless I have the pleasure of helping someone with their insurance needs. There are some things worth paying for and perhaps a lifetime of financial security is one of them. I of course cannot guarantee that working with me will ensure a secure financial future. McNamara on Money has been a call-in talk radio show since 1990. I love hearing from listeners and there truly are no dumb questions. In fact, I like the simple questions because everyone should have the answer to those. Just don't call me asking for the next hot investment or which market is going to outperform this year. Number one, that's not the nature of this show. And number two, I have no idea. Any advice I give to a caller is meant to be generic in nature and should be verified with his or her own financial professionals. You will hear about a variety of topics on this show that relate to investments and personal finance. We try to cover topics that people can relate to regardless of their net worth or financial situation. And of course, we try to keep it interesting. I would crunch numbers for two hours or spreadsheet cash flows because I'm a total math nerd, but that wouldn't much make for good radio. Instead, I choose to educate people on topics surrounding big financial events in life, like marriage and divorce, kids in college, death of a loved one, career changes, and of course, retirement. I once heard that it is a smart man that knows what he doesn't know. I'm sure it was my dad that said that, and I'm also sure that it applies to women. That is why I invite guests onto my show that have expertise in different areas also related to personal finance. I feel it's important to note that the opinions of these professionals are not necessarily the opinions of McNamara Financial or any of its advisors. As long as we are on the subject of disclosure, I should note that while we may discuss investments and or markets on this show, that past performance is not indicative of future results. Thanks for tuning in. And we are back. Welcome back to McNamara on Money. My name is Justin McNamara alongside uh, virtually Michael McNamara from sunny Florida. How you doing, Mike? Still there? Still standing now by my son, waiting to get going here. No worries. Now, do uh, are you expecting... I don't know. You just, you're in Florida as of what, this week, right? You just got there? Uh, Mom and I got here this past past (laughs) Monday. We took three days to drive down. uh, We stayed away from 95 and went down the, you know, west of that. And it was very beautiful. Pennsylvania and Virginia and West Virginia and Maryland. And uh, it's just beautiful, actually. It was very nice. Nice. Do you think, uh, do you think Florida is expecting an influx this winter? I'll bet you, I'll bet you they're bracing for more people than usual. I would, I would. Yeah, things, things don't change much down here. There's a whole lot going for the state of Florida for sure. Sure. Are they, uh, are, are people down there, are they, do you see a lot of masks? There's a lot of mask wearing or, or what's the, what's the, uh, you know, no, uh, it, it's not, it's somewhat looser than Massachusetts. Uh, we see masks indoors and in stores and things, but yeah, not much outside, I, I, I think it's, you know, I'm not sure if it's good or bad, but I think it's back to more normal, uh, in terms of lifestyle and it is Massachusetts. Okay. To me. I, I, I don't think it's as big a deal down here and I'm not sure if that's good or bad, but definitely different. Yeah. 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 I'm surprised. I, I, sometimes I'm surprised at the level of mass I see outdoors. I know, I know I, I, I actually don't, I don't keep up with the latest. Um, I, I should know this, what the, what the recommendations are, but outdoors, I, I, I'm surprised at how many masks I'll see sort of like on a, on a bike path or something like that. But, um, indoors, I think every virtually everywhere I go, everyone is, is pretty well masked up around here, which I, I think is probably a good thing, but who, you know, who knows? I don't want to, we probably shouldn't get into that. Um, you know, different states have different approaches. That's for darn sure. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Probably not a good idea to get into. <laughs> uh, all right, so we are doing uh, your home as an investment, uh, and we've uh, we've made it through our first hour here. If you have any questions on that, um, you know, you can reach us via email if you would like. You can shoot us uh, an email at questions at uh, McNamara on money, or you can give us a ring. We're live in the Merrimack Valley today. It's at nine seven eight four five four four nine. 
978-454-4980. Again, that's 978-454-4980. Uh, Alicia was kind enough to, to share a, uh, you know, a, a real estate agent's perspective on things. And I was, I was glad to get it because there were, you know, there were certainly things that I, um, that I hadn't thought of with regard to, um, with regard to pricing your home and, and all that and, uh, and investments and remodeling and stuff like that. I certainly didn't know that you were supposed to remodel to keep up with the times, but, uh, I guess that's, that's maybe to be expected from me. Justin, I was thinking, I, you know, I, I, you know if you think about my, your, your mother and father, yourself and your sister, yeah. uh, we've put more money in our homes that we'll probably never get back. Okay. Uh, and as long as you can afford to do that, that's okay. Yeah. But, but the, the question is if you can, and I don't know where you want to go from here and if you want to pick up your stuff, just fine. But I just had like one closing thought, uh, and it's that, yeah, you can treat your home as uh, an investment or you can treat it as a lifestyle change or somewhere in the middle. I, I get all that. Okay. But, but if you're going to treat it as a lifestyle and you want to enjoy it, okay, then you have to, think down the road and ask yourself, are you going to need any of the equity in your home to be okay in retirement? Okay. Uh, and from the people that we meet and work with, okay. Um, you know, when it comes to downsizing or this or that, or the other thing, a, a lot of people we work with, and we work with some pretty motivated people end up using the equity in their home, uh, either to buy a nicer, smaller, but no less expensive downsized home or do this, that, and the other thing. Yeah. And if you, if you're not going to worry too much about your home as an investment, you need to maybe go talk to a certified financial planner, have a retirement plan and see if that's going to be okay. You know, with, are you saving enough money in yeah. your 401k? So it's, it's, it's a lifestyle choice. And if you don't pay any attention to it as an investment, you better pay attention to the rest of your life and your investments to make it work. And I, I don't think people think that way. And, and I think you know, more people need to do that. Okay. Yeah. I think I, I, I would agree with that. And, and I think that uh, you know, for folks, you know, and, and I think, you know, when, when I go through, I'll, I'll flip over to my calculations that I ran, that I ran, which are, which are a little more dynamic than yours. Um, what are you trying to say here, my friend? <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. I used a spreadsheet for mine and, and yours, uh, your outline was oh, sent okay. to me on, on a word document. So, uh, um, and they are more dynamic. No question. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so if, again, if you are thinking about your home as an investment and, you know, specifically if you are maybe buying a big home, right. And, you know, I'm, oh, I'm going to buy a, a million dollar property and, you know, it's going to appreciate at 3%. And by the time I retire, it's going to be worth, you know, two and a half million dollars. I mean, that, that's, that, again, that may, that may work out. Right. And I think I'll, I'll, I'll put some numbers here out that I think, you know, may support that again. Uh, it's, it's not always as cut and dry as that, but you know, you, you certainly better pay attention to the rest of your life as well, because if, you know, it probably should, it can't be your only investment, uh, on, you know, unless you're planning on cashing it in. Right. I mean, if you, if you spend all your money on, on, the, you know, that big house in the suburbs and you neglect your 401k savings, well, you know, it, it may work out that you're able to sell your home buy you know, and downsize and, and put an nest egg together, but you better, you want to know that in advance, right? Um, it's, it's not something that you can just plan on a whole, whole it's a, you know, real estate's a great investment. So I'm all set. I don't need to worry about the rest of my life. Right. Yep. Uh, okay. All right. So, you know, let me, let me go through my, uh, the calculations that I did. And again, you know, numbers aren't all that great on the radio, but I, I you know, I do want to tell a story, right? So, um, you know, this, you know, th this whole show that we are doing here did come from, you know, mostly came from, an, uh, you know, Sharon Mack was uh, listening to our, um, Sharon McNamara on the, uh, on, uh, which is, who's our, our, uh, my aunt and your sister-in-law, uh, and who also has her own show, uh, down on WATD. She's, you know, she shot us an email and said, you know, Hey, you know, we, we talk about, you know, home as an investment with our clients. And, and, you know, so we started, started an email chain that was kind of the genesis of this whole show. And so I, you know, you know, never having, I'd never actually done the math before. And, and I think that's, you know, I've, I've certainly done reading and, uh, and, you know, you, you know, you read, oh, a home's, you know, a primary home is not a great investment because if you look at the rate of return, it's, it's, you know, et cetera, et cetera, which is sort of the math that you did at the beginning of this. But I actually wanted to take a look at the alternatives and just put the numbers down and, and try to see for myself. So again, you know, not being, a, you know, real estate professionals, some of these numbers may not be all that great 
great. But, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to go through, you know, just like you did with, with simpler numbers. What I'm going to do is I'm going to put together, we're going to, we're going to set up a comparison, right? So, all right. So what if I purchase a home and then I live in that home and, you know, what's my value uh, going to be at the end of the day? And then, well, the alternative would be, well, if, you know, if I'm not looking at my home as an investment, I don't think it's a good one. Well, maybe I'll rent and then I'll invest whatever money that I have over and above that, uh, over and above that. And, and we, we can sort of do a comparison, right? Because it's, it, it wouldn't be fair, I don't think, to compare your home to an investment you know, say in the stock market, right? Cause you, you know, you can't, you can't live in, in your investment portfolio. And so I think the, you know, the only way to really compare whether or not a, you know, a, a primary residence is a good investment is to compare it to the alternative, which is, well, you have to live somewhere. So you're going to have to go and rent, uh, rent a property. And, and so I, I'm going to run through, you know, kind of a, a comp scenario and I'm hoping my numbers are okay. If, if anyone thinks, <laughs> if anyone has a, has a different thought and, uh, you know, wants to throw out and say, Hey, these numbers are all wrong. You know, please give us a call. Um, again, uh, numbers nine, seven, eight, four, five, four, four, nine, eight, zero. We're live in the Merrimack Valley today. Uh, but I'm going to, before you get going, yeah. just to give, to give you a little credibility to our listening audience. So <laughs> what was your major in college? Finance. It was finance. Ah, and, and mine was biology and education. So folks, uh, you know, I just, just wanted to point that out before you launching your numbers, Justin, uh, my point yeah. is you are, you are, qualified to do them. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I do, you know, I've, I've, uh, I know my way around a spreadsheet a little bit, although I'm, you know, I'm not the, uh, I'm actually not the, the spreadsheet expert of our, uh, even of McNamara financial services, but, uh, if it's me or you putting one together, we'll, we'll go with me. Um, anyway, so, so I do have, right. So I'm going to go, you know, you, you, you gave me a median home price, uh, of, I think it was $480,000. I, I'm going to use a number of 450,000. Okay. Right. So that's, you know, sort of an average, you know, or, or at least close to average, or at least, you know, that may, that, you know, we may be going back a little bit because the market's been, uh, you know, has, has been pretty crazy at least recently, but we're going to use a $450,000 home and I'm going to use a 20% down payment um, which again is maybe if it's a first home, it's probably a little bit on the high side, but, uh, if you can get to that 20% number, you can avoid, uh, PMI, uh, and, uh, and sort of keep your payments down. Okay. Okay. I'm going to use a three and a half percent interest rate, which is again, that's, that's high for right now. If you're buying right now and you have good credit, I think you, you know, you you may be sub three, even for a 30 year mortgage. Uh, but we're going to use three and a half just because we'll, you know, just to be on a little bit on the conservative side. And I'm going to use upkeep cost, right? And, and so this is the you know, this is the, where we really get you know where we get the where we get issues, right? Which we've already been talking about for this hour is you know what does it cost to have a home, right? Obviously, if you you know if you own a home, you're going to have property taxes, and you know in in this range, you're probably talking about somewhere in in the six to eight thousand dollar range. But what are the other costs involved in keeping up a home. We're talking about, you know, doing repairs, the, you know, the occasional, you know, small stuff on a fairly regular basis and the occasional large, uh, you know, large, like a roof or a furnace. And I, you know, this is my guess and I'm, I'm happy to have you weigh in here. I put down, uh, $18,000 per year or about $1,500 a month. And this is basically just to keep a home going, nothing fancy, uh, you know, no major projects. And, you know, I, Hey, and I, that's, I, not, that's not with a mortgage, correct? Not, that's, not so this is, that's right. I'm sorry. So that's exclusive of the board. I mean, you know, I should go back. Um, the, I'll, I'll give out the specifics though. So the mortgage, uh, if you put four fifty. Uh, if you if you're buying a place that's that uh, that's four hundred fifty thousand dollars and you put ninety down, the principal and interest payment uh, on that three hundred sixty thousand dollar mortgage is uh, and I'm using yearly numbers here, so I had nineteen thousand three ninety nine, so about nineteen four is a principal and interest, and that's obviously for the mortgage. But then there's the other stuff that's over and above that. And that's where I threw in eighteen thousand dollars a year. Now, what are your thoughts on that? Again, I think I'm I'm going for a a 
uh, kind of a lower end, not, maybe not a real life experience um, where people are, you know, hey, I don't like my living room. Let's, you know, let's put some wide pine in there uh, like like I did. Um, but, you know, just sort of keeping the place up and running. Yeah, I, I'm real good with those. I mean, I, you know, we, we own two homes. We, we don't have a mortgage in either one of them. Uh, and, you know, base living expenses uh, without getting fancier between 15 and 20 grand a year in each one of them. I mean, just yep. we're not talking, we're not talking dining or entertainment. We're talking about housing costs. So, so yeah, you're, you're fine as far as I'm concerned. And I can give you information from two states. Well, by the way, we talk with clients about yep. buying homes all the time and, and a number of them in Florida. And, you know, I, I would tell them the same number, by the way. Okay. All right. Uh, okay. So that's good. And, and so the, and then the alternative, right? So that's, that's our home ownership cost, right? And, and I have year one, uh, home ownership cost. Uh, if you put together your mortgage principal and interest, plus, uh, your, your other expenses to keep a place going, I'm at about 30, uh, $37,400. Okay. So that's, you know, annual cost, uh, you know, just over 3000 bucks per month, uh, to own that home that you just purchased. Again, and that's on top of the 90,000 that you put down. And yep. now yeah, the, the question is, you know, the alternative, right? If you, if you decide that you don't want to own a home, uh, the alternative is that you can go and rent. And so I used again, and I'm again, not an expert. I, I, I poked around it a little bit. I went with a $2,500 per month rent for our average home now, I, and again, I, I'm not sure on this one, and I don't know that you, that you are either. And, I, I googled medium home, medium rent price in Massachusetts yep. last night. It was twenty five hundred dollars. Oh wow! Wow, I am good. I'm exactly. good at guessing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay so uh, you know, so twenty five thousand dollars then is that's uh, you know obviously thirty thousand dollars per year. Okay, yep. and so you know what my spreadsheet is going to do, and and you know I promise I won't go through every every line item. But what I'm going to try to do is do a comparison on owning versus renting. And so the first thing that you would do is you'd say, okay, well, you know, if, if I'm, uh, if I'm renting then I don't need to put my $90,000 into the home and, and I can invest that. Right. Uh, so, you know, okay. if, you, if you have 90 grand and you decide not to purchase a home, well, well, then we'll, then we'll throw it, throw it down in an investment account. whatever the amount over and above your ownership cost is in the home, right? So if, if we're starting out in the home, I think we both agree that it's probably a bit more expensive to own that home, at least at first, uh, right? So we have a, you know, we have a $37,000 and change annual, annual ownership cost, including your mortgage uh, to own, uh, but only $30,000 to rent. So you have some extra money in that rental that you are not spending on, you know, fixing toilets and putting on roofs and all that, all that fun stuff that comes along with home, home ownership. Okay. Well, Seventy four hundred bucks a year, basically. Seventy four hundred bucks right? a year, okay, yeah. and and then we'll invest that as well, and you know we can just add that to our pot, and uh, and then we can and we can do our comps along the way. You following so far? So far. All right. I hope you know. I, I haven't uh, I haven't run this by anyone yet, so hopefully you don't find any any major issues with my <laughs> with my calculations. What do you get with a twenty percent return on that, Jeff? Twenty. <laughs> <laughs> if that's the number we're using, then then nobody should be in a house, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So, you know, the, the first thing I want to point out is, you know, we went through, you know, part of this calculation is going to be inflation, right? And, and because we're projecting forward 30 years, it's going to be a substantial difference between our starting point and our ending point, at, um, you know, of, of, of home values, but also, but also rental costs and also, uh, upkeep costs, right? So, you know, if we're using a 3% number and, you know, I don't, I'm not even going to give us a, an actual return on our money over and above inflation, right? I mean, you know, I, I think housing costs at some point should roughly, 
uh, equate to inflation, right? And, and it may be different in different parts of the country, right? And maybe maybe Massachusetts is uh, is going to be a bit higher because it's right. It's hard to build. You know, there's not a lot of land. It's hard to build new supply, and and uh, so maybe we get a better return uh, than inflation going forward. But again, then again, maybe not, right? And you know, a lot of it will depend, as as Alicia mentioned earlier, on what our starting point for prices is, right? You know, are, are prices high right now? Maybe they are, and so maybe that means a slightly lower return over the next 30 years. But we're gonna we're gonna forget about all that. And, you know, we're going to pretend, you know, we're going to put on our sort of our financial planner uh, hats and we'll just say, hey, we don't exactly know what's going to happen. We don't know what inflation is going to be, but we're going to use an average number. Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to inflate everything at three percent that ought to be inflated. OK, so our four hundred and fifty thousand dollar home care to care to guess. You might you might be able to get pretty close on that. Care to guess what it's uh, what it's worth after 30 years uh, with three ah. percent inflation. Mm, million one. Wow, a million ninety-two, a million ah. one one zero nine two. So one million ninety-two thousand dollars in change, right? So we've you know we've more than doubled the value of our house. It's up. What is that? Maybe maybe two and a half times ish. Uh, and so you're you bought your four hundred and fifty thousand dollar home, and it just appreciated again. Assuming you're assuming you're keeping it up, uh, and at the end of our thirty-year time period, so in twenty fifty. Uh, our home is going to be worth a million, almost a million one. Okay. Yep. Now, you know, the, the other thing that I did want to point out with inflation is that your mortgage payment is not inflated, right? We're, you know, we're going to use our three and a half and let's just say we have an upward trend for the next, you know, for the next 30 years. And so we actually keep this 30 year mortgage for the entire, you know, for the entire life of it, which again is, is unlikely and, and, you know, probably didn't happen if you bought your place 30 years ago, but it's probably more and more likely the lower rates go here. And, and, you know, at some point, you know, it, it'll be, well, we, we hope they don't go negative, but, um, we're going to assume that we do hold this, uh, three and a half percent mortgage for, uh, for the entire 30 years. And, you know, the upside of that is you don't have any inflation on it, right? You know, your $19,399 annual payment for your principal and interest is exactly the same in 2020 as it is in 2049, right? Uh, so you don't have any inflation on that number. Whereas, the mortgage, our $19,399 annual payment for our mortgage stays level, but our up, yeah. our upkeep cost of $18,000 is going to be inflated. And if I, you know, if I run 18,000 at, man, this, I'm sorry, the spreadsheet is, if I'm, if I'm going a little slow, my spreadsheet of 30 years is so long that I, there's a lot of scrolling back and forth, but, uh, so yeah, the, the upkeep cost is going to be $42,000 per year at the, you know, in that last year of our comp, right? So 30 years later, if you're, if you're spending 18 now, if you run that at 3%, same thing, you, you know, you more than, uh, you more than double it. It's up about two and a half times. Okay. Give or take. Okay. okay. And the rent, which we, again, we started at $30,000. That's also going to more than double. And then your rental cost is going to come in at about 70 grand in that last year. Okay. You know, and I, I, you know, I think, you know, if, again, if I'm, I'm not sure how much, uh, how much people actually care about this, but if, you know, if you're really going to run a comp, you need to factor in ongoing costs. And I think it's, I think it's fairly, it's fairly critical that, you know, to know if, if you're a renter, right. And if you say, well, you should just rent and invest. Well, eventually your rental cost is going to overtake your overall cost to own a home, especially, you know, if, if you're able to set that mortgage in place, right? Because you don't have, you don't have inflation on your mortgage, on your principal and interest. And so I have, again, in this example, let me see where my, where my rental costs. Uh, so I have, I have a difference and I get year 12. All right. So I'm sorry. No, that's year. What, what year is that? Um, 17 years into this. Uh, 
it flips over. And in the 18th year, it actually costs you more to be a renter than it does to be an owner. And again, it's, it's just based on the fact that only half of your, you know, roughly half of your expenses uh, to own a property are inflating, whereas that other half, the mortgage payment, is not. Right. right. So you don't have any more money to invest, is what you're saying, because that that seventy four hundred dollars that you start off saving gets less and less each year. That's correct. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, so it trends down from you know from seventy four hundred, and and you know you're putting that in your pot every year, and what you then do is eventually it runs out, and you know in year seventeen you essentially have nothing, and then in year eighteen you run negative, and so if you're really going to do a comp, which I'm going to do here. Uh, probably after the break, we're going to run out of time to to go all the way through this. Um, you know, you probably want to start taking money out, right? I mean, a, a fair analysis would be, well, if I'm going to invest what I have over and above um, my my home ownership cost versus renting, when it's when it's more expensive, when home ownership is more expensive, well, then I should I should take the money out when it's less expensive. So I'm actually going to run a, you know, we're going to run a, uh, we're going to run a return calculation that's, that's investing money up until year 18. And then afterwards it's going to be taking money away because otherwise it's really not a fair comparison, right? Yeah. Explain that one more time. You got <laughs> I got a minute. Yeah. So if, if owning a home in the short term is more expensive and you instead decide to rent and invest, well then, you, you know, you have extra money in those first bunch of years, but inflation is going to catch up with you and eventually renting is going to be more expensive. And then, so, you know, you, you, instead of investing the difference, you need to start taking distributions for the difference. Okay. okay. Yeah. Right. That was a little bit difficult, but anyway, Cindy, are we up on a break here? Should we roll before I start anything else? We Cindy's about to get that hammer out there, Justin. I can see <laughs> that right now. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we will be right back. going through a, a large spreadsheet that I'm going to try to boil down into, uh, into material that's, that works decently enough on uh, the radio. Um, Mike, you're still there. You're with me. I'm, I'm following you so far, my son. <laughs> you got to let me know. You, you, I, well, you know, I know you'll be honest with me. If I, if I start getting too uh, into the details, uh, please, uh, please pull me back. Um, you're anyway. doing okay so far, but you need to get to the point pretty quickly. If you're <laughs> yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. So we'll finish up my spreadsheet, and then I know you. You know, we, we I guess we only have yeah we only have a half hour or so left here. So I know you have some sort of closing thoughts and big more big picture stuff. Uh, per per are, usual, no yeah. Per usual, I am. Uh, you know, I'm I'm running numbers, and and you're uh, making uh, big broad proclamations here. So, uh, again, if you if you have a question about this or really anything else, uh, we're live in the Merrimack Valley today on WCAP nine seven eight four five four four nine eight zero is the number. Uh, if uh, if you if you prefer email, you can shoot us an email. Questions at mcnamaraonmoney.com. Uh, okay, so what I'm doing is I'm running through my spreadsheet, and I'm doing I'm doing a fair comp, right? Because you know, j- just to reset it, and I'll I'll go relatively quickly through this. Um, if you if we're gonna say your home is an you know if if we you know the your home is an investment question is probably best not looked at as a comparison to an investment portfolio because you are not living in an investment portfolio, right? You need some place to live. And so the question is, is owning a primary residence better, quote unquote, than the alternative, which would be renting and then, you know, and, and then setting up an investment portfolio. And so, you know, I, I made a I made a comparison sheet where I'm comparing the cost of renting. Again, average average prices of four hundred and fifty thousand dollar home that we think maybe we'll rent for about twenty five hundred dollars a month. And the question is, which is better to own it uh, or to rent it and invest the difference? And so what I am doing is, uh, you know, I, I've gotten through the part where we, you know, we, we don't have a down payment as a renter, you know, so we're going to put $90,000 into the market. And then we have some extra money, at least at first, to invest in the market because at least at first it's cheaper on an annual basis to rent a property than it is to own it. Okay. And then as time goes on and inflation kicks the price of rental up, uh, eventually we'll start taking some money out of our nest egg uh, because again, because the mortgage is not inflated, eventually it's more expensive on an annual basis to rent than it is uh, than it is to own a home. And, and the um, I guess I should probably jump to some of the results and then we can again then we can talk about them. But um, so if we run 
and, and you know, and now we have to talk about rates of return too. So we're adding still another layer of complexity. And again, I maybe I didn't point this out strongly enough. You know, the, these are just estimates. Uh, these these kinds of calculations are very difficult to do. We're using some numbers that we that we think are fair. Um, you know, if you if anyone has any uh, if anyone has any quibbles with it, they're they're more than welcome to give us a call. Um, but we think these numbers are relatively fair, although they're not going to be perfect, right? You know, we're gonna we're gonna throw an inflation number on there at three percent. We don't know if that's going to be right, uh, and we're also we're also about to add an investment rate of return, and we're not sure we're not exactly sure if that's going to be right either. But um, what, what do you want to start with? I, I have a five percent and a seven percent rate of return. What do you want to? Yeah. We want to start with. Don't be so defensive. Pick a number and tell them it's reasonable and move on. You don't have to spend twenty <laughs> minutes justifying what you're doing here. Well, I, you know what, any, t you know how I get about about predicting the future. Um, you have a, you have an easier time of it than I do. Uh, but yeah, so we are going to use. Ready? We're going to use a five percent rate of return and a seven percent rate of return, and uh, you know we'll start off. You know, those are sort of our examples of a maybe sort of a middle of the road strategy right when we're doing when we're running our long-term financial plans we use a five percent as as uh as the classic balanced portfolio right maybe 60-ish percent in the stock market 40-ish percent in in the bond market and more conservative investments that's our balanced strategy uh and when we're running an aggressive investment strategy we use a seven percent per year right so that's that's the all you know buckle up invest in the stock market uh, that's where you're going to make you know, the most money over long periods of time. Uh, and in this case, you know, I, I think I guess the question is, uh, who, who, who do you think is going to win? I'll ask you. I'll ask you the question. Which I I, I ran the math at five and seven, and I ran the math at uh, at the appreciation of the home. And the question is, oh, you know, actually, first let me point out the total home ownership cost in both cases is above the ending value, right? So, you know, I already told you the ending value of a $450,000 home at 3%, you're, you know, you're up about $1.1 million. In both the rental case and the home ownership case, you spent $1.4 million to, you know, living there because you have all those ongoing costs, right? You have a rental cost and then you have the mortgage and then you have the upkeep cost of the home. So in each case, you're out negative, on actual money versus what you have at the end. Uh, I'm going to guess that the real estate owner won, but I'm going to qualify some of your. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So yeah, they so they they do in fact win, right? So they you know the if you invest uh, that ninety grand and then and then whatever you have left over at five percent per year, you are only sitting on a nest egg of five hundred and forty-one thousand dollars. Okay, if instead you're able to uh, invest it and earn 7% per year, you're sitting on a nest egg of $962,000. So it's, it's closer, but in both cases, uh, the winner is that, uh, is you owning the home. And, you know, the, so just the reason behind, you know, the, the reason behind the math is, is because, you know, when, when you buy a place, you're not actually investing your, you know, your, your down payment is not your, is not your investment, right? You purchase an investment that starts at a value of $450,000. And even though it's only appreciating at 3%, it still wins. And the reason is because the, you know, the alternative investment portfolio is starting off at 90, right? You know, you, you buy the whole asset, you buy the home, uh, you know, with a mortgage, but your appreciation is starting from a base of 450 as uh, a that's right. As opposed to an investment portfolio where, you know, if, if you, you know, this is, it would be a different comparison if you weren't doing a down payment. But in this case, we used a down payment of 90. And so you're only, in, you're, you know, quote unquote, only investing 90 in the case of the rental. And so in this case, again, using these numbers, the argument is in favor of the primary residence. I'll stop there for comments from you. All right. Time for rebuttal now. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not saying that, you know, certainly by no means am I saying case closed. Yeah, I, I know there's a lot more to talk about here. <laughs> well, you know, number one, uh, the numbers are perfect and unrealistic. OK, so, yeah. so first of all, sure. you, you didn't factor in any, uh, you know, you talked about basic maintenance and repairs yeah. and taxes. Uh, n no renovations, no remodeling. No refinancing, you know, no, you know, no, no, no bad behavior right. on the part of the the homeowner. 
Okay, uh, and and by the way, we we our, our conclusions agree. You you make you probably forgetting against renting, yeah. you probably make some money owning your real estate if you behave well and don't get too carried away. Okay, and this was a perfect behavior pattern on your part, right? And it's a pretty shabby million dollar home. If you didn't re-roof, update the kitchen, update the bathrooms, and spend a few, you you, you didn't do any of that stuff to to keep it updated, if you know what I mean, well, sort of. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, in, I would I would say that again, if the if the comp is a rental property, then I yeah. think you know it, that's probably fairly accurate, right? I mean, it's not you know if if you're renting a home, the owner of the home is. Is mo- you know they're certainly keeping it up, right? I mean, if something bra- if the toilet breaks, they'll or the shower breaks, they're going to fix it, and that there's a cost to that. But if you're running your primary residence as an investment and spending as little as possible on it, I think that the the case is relatively compelling, just because of the use of leverage, right? You're 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 able to buy a house with a mortgage, and so you're you know you're leveraging that you know what may be a relatively modest appreciation into a fairly high number. Yeah, I, you know, I'm okay with that, general, generically speaking. You know, I, I think that, you know, the way I came at it and, we, and the way you came at it, you know, there's a more important discussion here. It's, it's yeah. sort of academic because you're never going to know. But so, so the, 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 the important thing is, well, not everybody should home, own a home. Okay, so, so yeah. I think a better, a better discussion uh, is, well, who should rent and why, as opposed to whether you're going to do a contest between renting and owning a home. Okay. okay? And so, and so here, here, here are some thoughts that I have. Okay. If you are young and single, yep. and by the way, maybe even young and married, yep. I'm not sure if it's a good idea to buy a home. Okay. Right, right out of the box. Yep. Okay. And, and the reasons, again, life gets in the way. Okay. Yeah. Given those, for, for, first of all, young young people lose jobs just like old people. Maybe more frequently. I'm not sure. Yep. Okay. Y- young. If you are single, you get married, and that one bedroom studio was looking mighty tiny. So you may have to buy a bigger home if you bought a smaller one. Okay. Uh, you might need a bigger place. By the way, young folks might not have the time or the inclination to do the upkeep. So you know. People change jobs and move to North Dakota, sort of a yeah. thing. So if you're, I, I think there are certain people who, who at times in their life, it's perfectly appropriate to rent and forget about the rent versus buy versus home ownership. It yeah. fits your lifestyle. You know, if you if you bought a beautiful, you know, how long, here's a quick question for you. How long do you have to be in a home to break even on it before you sell it? Now, I know it depends, but four yeah. or five years? Oh, I would. I mean, if you get if you get flat inflate, I mean, if you get a relatively stable inflate, right? If if the number is, let's just use my four hundred fifty thousand dollar home that we bought this year. Um, we have you know four years in, it's worth four ninety, and so that's you know certainly more than I I think that's more. By than the way, with three, with, three, yeah, with three percent inflation, it's got to be two years to offset just the brokerage commission. Right. So yeah. Okay. So, so you're in, yeah. But let's get back to the point. If you're 25 yeah. or 30 or 35 years old and you're single, okay, and you buy a home and you get a job in North Dakota, you got to sell it maybe after a year or two or three. Yep. Okay, or maybe you lose your job and you have no backup. Or maybe you get married, okay, and all of a sudden that little home that you bought doesn't look so good anymore and you're going to have to change, okay? So, so there are a myriad of reasons yeah. why younger folks should probably rent, okay? And, and by the way, Rent small and rent a small space and save like a banshee for when the time that's appropriate for you to buy. That's all. You, you can get yourself in trouble sure. if you have to unload a home relatively quickly. How long do we tell people to hold their investments just before they have a chance to work? <laughs> yeah. That's why it works the same for real estate. Yep. You know, we can argue about the time frame, but I would tell anybody if you can't be in your home for at least five years, you've got a chance of losing money. And right. by the way, there's a bunch of folks listening to me out. They've lost money in their houses at several different points in their in their age group, sort of a thing. Okay, so that, that's one example. And by the way, I think we could make a pretty good case for some older single folks, okay, renting versus owning. Again, forget the financial discussions, but but let's see. At some point, doing the lawn gets a little uh, 
little you know, tedious. Yes, yep. you can do a condo. And by the way, I have a condo versus a, a, a rent scenario we may or may not get to. But, you know, it's perfectly appropriate for some older folks, okay, and retired to rent, okay? Uh, and it may be not even appropriate. It may be better off. I mean, we've, we've had folks who bought their retirement home and sold it sometime later because their daughter moved to uh, Iowa, you know, and they and they sold their property. Yeah. It, it, you know, there, there are things that happen in your life, okay, uh, and or you may choose to certain live, live a life where renting is a perfectly appropriate thing to do given the circumstances. So it's maybe it's a question of who and under what circumstances versus a race for money versus finance because it's a great academic discussion, but it probably doesn't hold a lot of water in reality for most people. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I mean, and, and so, you know, I, I was actually, uh, you know, I, I, I won't say I was surprised by the numbers, but, you know, one of the things that you, you would factor in, right? I mean, you know, the, the discussion we had uh, with Alicia earlier about, about remodeling, if you, you know, if you take our comp, which I think is probably relatively fair, uh, and you did invest it and you, you know, let's say you earn a good, a good return. You, you get a, you know, you get good appreciation of that 3% on your primary. Uh, and the alternative was that you invested in and you earned 7%. You're, you're in the ballpark of, uh, you know, uh, you know, 1.1 million and 962,000 are not all that far away. And so when you, start putting in, you know, major renovations where you, you know, it doesn't take, it doesn't take much to get those numbers even closer together and actually, and, and clearly reverse them. And I think that's, you know, the point you're making right now is, I mean, if you just think about a hundred, let's say, let's say you spend 200, uh, $250,000 on a renovation of your home and you only get 50% of the value back, right? So all of a sudden you're, you know, you're adding 125,000 to the value, right? So you're 1.1 million, um, is will go up, but you know the alternative would have been that you invested a full two hundred and fifty thousand dollars into your market portfolio, and so all of a sudden you're even closer. So every time you do a, you know, you're kind of doing a lifestyle renovation or a lifestyle improvement, you're 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 bringing those numbers more in line, and it's actually, you know, I I I was sort of uh I'm, I was I was surprised at how close they were and how. And how much I'm, I was sort of like, well, you know, it almost, it almost doesn't, they're, they're very similar and there's no, no sort of right answer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we're, we're sensitive about this and we're having this show because we see folks who are retired yeah. who have to use their home equity in some way, shape or form to be okay. Right. Okay. And that's not an unusual thing across the whole country, never mind just in our database or our client base sort of a thing. Okay. And, you know, if you're in your 30s and you're going to have the, the, the lovely home and the nice lifestyle and, and you, you want to pay for that home as a lifestyle, my only question is, can you afford that and still live happily ever after and not count too much right. on whatever equity you may have in your home? That, that's, that, that's the whole question. So, so I, I, I mean, this entire show is a big pitch for people having a, a financial plan in place when they <laughs> yeah. buy a home so that they can to truly. I mean, think about it, Jesse. We, we, we have people. That's like all of our shows, though, right? <laughs> yeah. When, when, when we have people retire and they want to downsize, do they ever spend less money? On the new home that they buy, rarely, rarely. Right, and by the way, but some people have to, yeah, because they, because they didn't have enough equity in their home for for whatever reason, sort of a thing. Okay, so so we see people who who can't uh, who can't afford uh, to, to 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 do the life thing in retirement, yeah, because they did the life thing while they were working or earlier in life. I mean, and that's, that's just a consequence of, of what happens. You know, uh, we, you know, if, if people out there are thinking about, I'm going to take a bunch of money out of my home and it's going to create income for me for the rest of my life. Well, it may. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, 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 but, but that assumes that you got to go get at that equity. You know, if, if your retirement plan is just to use the equity in your home, you're going to be very, very sorry. Okay, is what what I would say given those circumstances. Or just people. The, the whole thing I think is that people have to be mindful about what they're spending on homes. Sure. I, I I think a whole lot of people out there listening to us are suffering from two mh tmh too much home. Okay. Uh, oh, I've got the you know, I've got a beautiful home, LA lifestyle. But what it's costing you versus 
a lesser home where you could save more for your 401k and get your kids through college without stretching. You know, we, we could have a really good discussion about yeah. which is a better approach given the circumstances. So, folks, we're just trying to sensitize you to the folks that you have to be careful and think about your future regardless of where you're living and how much you're spending. That's all. You know? yeah, I think, you know, I, I think, you know, we should there is certainly something to be said However, you know, for the uh, for the forced saving nature of owning a home, right? I mean, and again, we're 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 uh, not assuming that you refinance every five years and and you know kick out and, and do a thirty year mortgage every single time, right? Um, so, but you know, j- just like when we have conversations with folks about their uh, or about their you know their tax refunds, right? Or at least in the old days, we would say, well, hey, you know, if you're getting a big tax refund every year. Um, you know, and you could have that money sitting in the bank instead, and, and you may have earned, you know, whatever the number, whatever current interest rates were on the bank on your bank account. Now, that's not necessarily a great uh, a great idea, but people do like the forced savings of a you know of of getting a tax refund. It's just a you know it's a behavioral thing, and, so, and it works for a lot of people because they say, all right, well, you know, with my tax refund, I'm gonna you know that's how I'm gonna fund my IRA contribution, or that's how I'm gonna you know do some home renovations. Um, it's a similar, I think it's a similar thing with, with your primary home in that it forces you to save, right? It forces you to, to build equity in that asset. And whereas if you were a renter, there's, you wouldn't necessarily be saving all that money, right? I mean, the, the, the comp that I'm, that I'm running here, it, it takes discipline to actually do that and to actually, you know, invest that $90,000 up front and actually, you know, kind of run the math and say, all right, well, I should be investing this much this year because uh, I'm saving all this money on, on not not owning a home, right? And the reality is that not everyone would do that. And so when I'm, you buy- I'm with you on that. At, at bad behavior. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of, you know, you kind of have to make those mortgage payments or else they're going to, or else they're going to kick you out. And so if you do buy a home, it's, it's a way of saving something. And, and again, you, you know, I think, I think, Probably the average homeowner has a better, you know, lifetime homeowner probably has a better financial outcome than a, you know, from a retirement point of view than someone who has rented. And, and that may be, you know, that's may, probably not a fair comparison, but I think, you know, our, our at least anecdotal, you know, experience would say, well, hey, if, you, if you've owned a home for your whole life, you probably got some appreciation, you probably leveraged it with, you know, with a mortgage and you likely came out with something, right? Even if you are doing refinancing and, and taking some money out, more than likely you have something to show for your, you know, your lifetime of home payments if you're owning a home. Yeah, the, the, the other, but the other question is, well, if you added your Social Security and how much is in your nest egg, can you make your life work after happy and done? Yeah, that, yeah. That, that, that's a question, right? Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's not, again, so certainly not cut and dried, and I think, uh, I think you want to make... Any decision that you make should be in the context of uh, certainly of the rest of your life. So, uh, all right. Well, I don't know that. Do, do you have any? Uh, well, let's see. We have six minutes to go here. Uh, I know you sure. have some sort of closing thoughts here, and I, you you put a bunch of stuff there that I will you know well, I'm not sure we get okay. to. Uh, I got I got a bunch of bunch of thoughts in general, but you know he, he, here are things people do in their home that that cost money that may have a negative effect somewhere down their, on, on their life. Okay. Yep. And, and but, you know, by the way, remodeling, okay. And updating and spending a whole bunch of money that you may never get back. Those are just things that may, that make, if you can afford them, go for it. But people <laughs> yeah. sometimes don't know if they can afford that or not, Justin. Another reason sure. to have a, a comprehensive written financial plan. But, but basically, you know, the, the, the cost of things that you put into your home okay, uh, can affect the rest of your life. And it, it, that's just a possibility. You know, another thing that's a problem, I think, uh, that homeowners have to be aware of is that having that equity line of credit makes it really easy to spend money that maybe you shouldn't, yeah. or you had to think about, you know what I mean? So, so that's a, that's a temptation for homeowners. We tell people to get home equity lines of credit on their homes for insurance, not to have fun. Okay, but uh, whatever. So, you know, if you're a homeowner, homeowner, you can get into trouble with your home equity line of credit. We certainly have, have seen that, you know, kind of given the circumstances. Okay. Sure. Uh, and, and then if you're a homeowner, you're probably going to buy a bigger home with a bigger mortgage. Okay. But, but, but hello, that's, that's what people do, right? By the way, maybe that'll change, Justin, with interest rates 
staying low. I want to come back to that in a minute. Maybe it will. Why, but anyway, why, why would you say that? Well, well, because interest rates have come down. Yeah. Okay, people can buy bigger homes at lower cost. Oh, I see. Well, well, so they'll, a, they'll start bigger? Yeah, well, 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 my point is that's a reason that people have been doing. People do it anyway, but that, the fact that interest rates have come down and make bigger homes more affordable yep. relatively is, is, a, is a plus, I guess. Okay, but people buy bigger homes and you have bigger mortgages. But, but the real important message there is as long as your mortgage is zero when you retire and you have enough money to live, c- congratulations, go for it sort of a thing. Okay, but you know, keep your mortgage to your, you know, have your mortgage retired when you are. Okay, and that doesn't mean do a 30-year mortgage every eight years when you buy a new home, folks. That's that's like the moral of the story there, from my point of view. Yeah. Okay, uh, and let's see here. Yeah, and and then, you know, but the people that we see at retirement, okay, some of them have to use the equity in their their home, okay, and you you, you want to make sure you have some. Hopefully, you have 100% equity in your home by the time you retire. But but who knows about that? You know, given the circumstances. Um, sure. I, I think, you know, living in, in your home is absolutely a lifestyle choice, yeah. absolutely, positively. And as long as you can afford it in the context of the rest of your life, go for it. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go see a certified financial planner and cost out how that works, yep. given the circumstances. Okay. And, obvi- and obviously catch up with a real estate agent uh, as well about, you know, about those potential. I mean, just, just you know, I'll use myself as an example uh, I am certain that the most, you know, we we did a, you know, a relatively small addition and some renovations on on essentially our living space, right? You know, with di- dining room and you know our our kitchen is attached to a a dining room, which is attached to a living room, and it was a <laughs> it was maybe a little poorly timed with COVID. Now that we now that we can't entertain, but you know, our living space is now larger. We you know we we fixed up the basement, and so the kids now have a place to uh, to go. Um, that's you know, so we're not all on top of each other, and I'm I'm certain that it wasn't a great investment in our home value, right? I mean, if if I was putting my own house on this sheet, uh, it would it would end up, and that would be a a big time negative as far as my final value and you know in my primary as an investment home. But no, but we did it because we want to live there, and you know when when uh, you know when we want to have our friends over, we want to have a nice place to you know to entertain, and it's worth it for us to do that. And so, you know, just just be aware of of that type of behavior. It's gonna it's gonna chip away at the investment value of your home. But you know, again, you don't buy. You know, most people aren't buying a home as an investment. They're buying it because, you know, they want to raise their families there and, and enjoy the space that they're in uh, for their you know for as long as they're there. As long as you can afford to do that in the context of the rest of your life, great. And by the way, and in the last comment is that realtors and lenders. They, you know, they have a, a conflict of interest. They have a vested interest in doing what they do, yeah, having you borrow more money and having you buy, buy, you know, maybe bigger or better property sort of thing. That that that's you just have to be careful yeah. about you know the marketing from both real estate and lenders about low interest rates and now's the time to buy. It's just got to fit into your life, folks, and you got to pay attention to the math. That's all. Oh, that was that's our it. that was I our smoothest exit yet. Lives. I think. <laughs> all right, hey everybody. Uh, thanks for spending some time. We'll talk to you next week.